Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. Hello, I'm Miles Beacon with the South Dakota Hall of Fame, and today we have a South Dakota Hall of Fame inductee from the class of 2018, Tom Loveland. So, Tom, could you start with just giving us kind of a history uh, from your childhood growing up and, and how that really put you into the field that you're in? Well, the field I'm in didn't exist when I was growing up. And so that's the uh, f first challenge I faced in getting to the point where I am now. Uh, and I was going to high school in the late 60s, and you know, that was a pretty adventurous time in the world. Uh, and you know, I was curious about everything, but not particularly focused on anything. And so when I barely got through high school and decided it was time to figure out what the next step is, my uh, parents decided to point me to South Dakota State University to uh, see if I could maybe handle the college scene. And uh, it was a slow start, but in that, um, I was introduced to people and ideas that I'd never heard of before. Um, I uh, became interested in the subject of geography and not the subject of capitals and states and countries around the world, but how people interact with their environment and how you manage the planet for the betterment of a growing population. Um, at the same time that was going on, there was a revolution starting in the field of geography as a result of the use of space technology being focused on the Earth in order to provide some of the information that might be needed to make wiser decisions about our global natural resources. Um, that catalyst really was going on right here in Sioux Falls with the Sioux Falls business community supported by the state congressional delegation. Um, trying to attract uh, the Earth Resources Observation Systems program to South Dakota. And as you know, they were successful, established their offices here in 1972, uh, which means we're celebrating 50 years next year of, of that activity. Well, I was introduced to coursework uh, in that through my geography studies at South Dakota State University. And, that naturally led me into this field that was just opening its doors to people. So I'm one of the early members of it. Uh, I guess that makes me one of the early pioneers in a sense, but I have spent my entire career looking at images of the Earth and trying to understand how we can better manage our planet. And Tom, if I remember right, that started long before you took these classes because you used yes. to enjoy the outdoors. Yes. And can you, one thing you said that uh, they didn't have this as a uh, field when you were growing up, and you said you really didn't know what you were going to do, and your mm -hmm. folks sent you on to South yeah. Dakota State to try to find something. I just find it hard to believe that you didn't have, you didn't know what you were going to do for the next 50 years. And, and really, I, I share that because a lot of kids today, students today think that they need to already have their life plan, but they don't because they have to just kind of go with the flow and and really find something that really has a passion for them. And that's exactly what you did. Well, it but, really is the case. You know, we're as we're growing up, we're introduced to ideas that are based on the people that we're surrounded by. And, 
Yeah, that's um, often a little more mainstream than the more exotic or esoteric pursuits that we mm -hmm. may have. Just give you, you know, a little story on the concerns my parents had with me. Um, and I, I hadn't learned to be motivated yet as I was going through high school. And so my mother, very concerned about me, called my high school guidance counselor and asked, uh, what kind of school could I get into? And his advice is, um, I think he needs discipline. Put him in the military. Uh, that would not have probably been the right thing for me at that time. And you know, so, but it wasn't enough of um, a motivation to you know start thinking about the future. And I found something brand new that uh, you know, met my interests. And it's been a wonderful place to be for ever since. Yeah. And I read something, uh, Tom, that you had written too that. Uh, in high school, when class was out, you liked to go out to the country and just Always. enjoy. Yes. And, and uh, how that tied into what your profession is now, I just think. And what did you enjoy about the country back then? You know, um, I liked the look of the land, if you will. Um, you know, what, what we have on the land, how we use it, how we change it over time for our betterment. You know, I, I've studied land use much of my life, and of course land use is really a reflection on how we can make best use of the land to maximize profits or meet public policy goals or whatever. And so, you know, I, I guess I was always intrigued by the idea of uh, how can we look at our surroundings and try to make it work for us best. And so, you know, I, I, I guess I learned some of that driving through cornfields in eastern South Dakota or sitting in cold wetlands on a Saturday morning. Well, great. Uh, and that's amazing, which was such a love of yours early on in your life, too, to be able to continue to look at it and see how, mm -hmm. and see what really caused an impact on the landscape around the world, right. not just in South yes. Dakota and Sioux Falls or the surrounding mm -hmm. area. When you had your first opportunity at Eros, that was while you were a student at South Dakota State? Yes, it was. And how did that come about? Um, that was um, one of the few times I showed initiative in my early years. I, you know, the doors opened in 1973 to the facility that Eros has been in ever since. And uh, I was in my junior year of college and uh, driving back and forth on weekends to see my parents in Sioux Falls. And on one of my trips home, I deviated off Interstate 29 and went in the front door and asked if anybody um, was looking for some student help. And, uh, you know, new, new building, not many employees, uh, not many people that even knew what the word remote sensing was, which was their primary business. And so I got hired on the spot for a summer position and did it for several years. Uh, until I graduated uh, from school and then launched into doing that forever. So how many total years did you have at Errol's? I had two years as a student um, and then I went to work there full-time in 1979, so about 40 years. That's, that's amazing and congratulations on that. Uh, anything challenging in those first couple years while you were interning or working as a student and also going to school at South Dakota State? You know, the, the hard part in, in any endeavor is uh, establishing your credibility. And uh, when you're, um, you know, a young punk from a small South Dakota university working with people from the University of California and Michigan and all of the, the big name schools, 
uh, proving that jackrabbits have the right to be there with them um, was certainly an important um, uh, credibility issue that I had to overcome. And, you know, I, I, if you approach it with energy, hard work, and respect, um, you can overcome it. And, you know, I guess I, I did well enough that um, when I was finally ready to uh, move on to a permanent position, I was offered one. Yeah, that, that's incredible, and I think that's a great point. Uh, a lot of times, people in South Dakota don't think we've had the same education as yeah. those outside, but that's truly not correct. Yeah. And we can compete with anyone, and we're showing them that. And you, you proved that uh, at Eros as well, that we can compete with anyone in the country or anyone in the world. Uh, yeah, and as time went on, South Dakota and Eastern South Dakota in particular really has become um, one of the uh, key parts of the world um, with uh, educational systems, with jobs um, in this area. And so you know, we've invested a lot in it, and it's paid off. Yeah. Tom, could you talk a little bit about Eros and everything that they do, mm -hmm. or at least some of the things that they do, sure. uh, and the impact that it's had not only on South Dakota, but on the, on the world? Well, you know, the, the doors were open for one primary purpose, to be the uh, repository for this new generation of Earth images taken by orbiting satellites. And so that's been the centerpiece of Eros, uh, data collection, data management, and data distribution since day one. And it continues to be. Uh, on an annual basis, we distribute probably about 10 million images around the world uh, to almost every country, over 180 countries uh, across the, uh, the Earth. Uh, and all at free of charge and on uh, non-discriminatory basis. So anyone anywhere can use this objective information to understand what's going on on the planet. Uh, so that is a, puts us as one of the larger um, exporters of information uh, anywhere in this state. Uh, uh, and it also means that Eros is a global brand that everyone understands uh, and respects. Now, to augment that activity uh, in data management and distribution, we also have satellite operations. The satellites, the Landsat series that uh, we've made heavily, heavy use of um, are operated by Eros, so we own satellites that fly over the Earth every day. Uh, and so there's a strong engineering staff that supports that. Uh, and then in addition, to add value to the mission, there's a science program. That's what I was part of that tries to apply the imagery that we're collecting to uh, solve problems of societal relevance. That's just amazing. Uh, Tom, what do you think back now when your first step, you just drove there, walked in to complete an application to see if they needed some help? to all the advancements in technology that you've seen as well and be able to keep up with all those changes and the impact that it's had on the world and right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, it has to give you some goosebumps there too. Oh, it really does. You know, for the first 15, 20 years of our existence, most of the images that we distributed were, were pictures. They were the digital images relayed by the satellites were converted to photographic prints uh, because that was our basis for interpreting. Uh, and they were mailed around the world. Um, and now, you know, we have petabytes and petabytes of data online, spinning all the time, accessible 24 hours a day, and downloadable. And so, you know, the, the automation uh, that has gone into the process is, is simply remarkable. I mean, just think about it. You know, we, we didn't have the internet back in the, the old days. And, 
you know, how did we survive? <laughs> you know, as we look at our behavior now, it's, it's, it's a wonder. So 40 plus years ago, how big was the computer system in Eros and to be able to download these pictures? And the, um, well, in the early days, we actually didn't have the capacity to download them. They were done um, in conjunction with NASA on the East Coast, and then the, uh, the digital imagery would be converted to prints or, or negatives, essentially, and, and shipped to us. And so in the early days, it was a little bit um, more sophisticated than the Pony Express, but not a whole lot. Um, and nowadays, we have antennae at Eros, we have ground receiving stations around the world, everything is digital and real aid, and so you know, it's, it's, uh, we've, we've consolidated the activity and it's far more sophisticated, fast, and cheap because of that. Yeah, that's amazing, just the changes that you've gone through. Um, what do you, what's been your biggest challenge, you think, and how'd you overcome that? Uh, you know, I, I, th I think the, the, the biggest challenge is to recognize the importance of teamwork in everything you do. Um, you know, there are no big science successes in this world by individuals, it's by teams. And so the key to success is to organize a team, uh, focus on what's relevant, uh, work harder than anybody else to get things done and then to communicate it in a way that makes it useful. And learning how to do that is, you know, an ongoing experience that I, I still work at. Yeah. Well, I liked, uh, Tom, that you mentioned that motivation, that little motivation to get you to go to SDSU is potential mm -hmm. military. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> quite, a, quite a comment there. Uh, can you share with us what's the biggest change that you've seen by looking at the pictures of the earth mm -hmm. and the changes and how quickly did you see the changes occurring? Is that a one year, is it a five year, is it uh, in probably with earthquakes yeah. or with uh, volcanoes much quicker than that, but. Yeah, you know, it's all of the above. Uh, you know, the earth is, is always changing in, in a lot of ways. You know, we, uh, we expand our agriculture through harvesting forests and certainly if we look over the last about 30 years, uh, the changes in tropical forests, the reduction in, in uh, forest cover has been substantial. If we look at our part of the world, um, the obvious sign is the growth of cities. You know, the human footprint uh, grows and grows. Uh, at the same time, the human footprint doesn't change as fast as the cyclic uh, work we do with our natural resources. Uh, you know, our forests in this country are harvested and replanted on a daily basis. And so, you know, the idea that, you know, things change and they're never gonna come back really isn't so much the case as the fact that we're just in constant rotation of how we use natural resources on the planet. You know, when you think about the fact that we're approaching eight billion people on the planet, um, it's pretty critical that we understand the dynamics of our landscape and develop management practices that allow us to sustain it to feed the, the growing world. Yes, yeah. Tom, what would you share with students around the state on uh, just some advice that you'd give them about uh, the future and, and what to look forward to or how to, how to attack it? Well, you know, a variety of things. One is to, um, you know, spark your imagination. And, you know, I think you do that through conversation, reading, and just interaction with people. Uh, 
you know, there's, there's very few good ideas that come up when you're just sitting in a chair by yourself. It's the conversations we have with each other. And so, you know, I think exploring with your friends, your parents, and, you know, is an important way to help discover where your interests are. Beyond that, um, it really is the, um, the need to find your niche, focus on it, work harder than anybody else, and, um, you know, take some hard knocks. You know, not every step you'll take is a success, but if you're persistent and you're focused, uh, you're going to succeed. You know, the one thing I learned is that it's more important to be relevant than, than to be smart. So whatever you take on, you really need to take on what's important, not just what's interesting at the minute. Yeah, oh, very good. Tom, you were at Arrows for 40 plus years, mm -hmm. and what's amazing is uh, there's not a lot of people that can say they've been in a business uh, for that long, uh, or with one company that long, sure. let alone. Uh, you've probably had a number of opportunities to go other places because of your mm -hmm. expertise. Uh, you were known worldwide uh, for your expertise. And you continue to stay in South Dakota where you could have left. Um, and there's times I'm sure that you were down because uh, not every day is a great day, but uh, you overcome those and, and you have some incredible highs as well. Yep. Uh, so why did you stay in South Dakota when you could have done a lot of other things? And why did you stay at a company for 40 years? You know. I, as I you know, grew up in the program and took on uh, more and more responsibilities, you know, there was a diversification of things uh, that made every day a little different. So it really wasn't a, you know, the constant grind of doing the same thing. Um, I have a strong interest in seeing the world. And from my job at Eros, I have worked in all 50 states. I have traveled to about 35 countries around the world, um, including some that, uh, you know, I might not want to go visit a second time. Um, but, you know, it, you know from, from the comfort of living in my hometown, um, knowing that my family was here and safe and had, had my parents around to help if they needed it, I was able to have adventures around the world. And so, you know, with that happening, it's kind of hard to get um, tired of it. Uh, there was always a new adventure around the corner. Oh, great. So would you agree that uh, if you're born and raised in South Dakota, you can compete against anyone? Absolutely the case. Uh, and anybody that says you can't, come speak. You know, let's talk. <laughs> you know, in having been involved in this since 1972, which was the year the first satellite was launched, um, the thing that I think we have the most pride in is the fact that Landsat, with its um, continuing uh, imaging of the Earth that goes back 50 years, is the longest Earth record in existence. Okay, it's complete, it's global, uh, and it's important, it's, it's meaningful. Um, one of the things that we have worried about more than anything else is the continuation of that record. When you've got something that that's scientifically important and rich, continuity of that record is important. And so we spend more time worrying about the next satellite than we do the past satellites. Um, the, our excitement was quite high in September because at the end of the month on the 27th, we launched Landsat 9, the ninth, in, of, ninth planned satellite in the series. Landsat 6 failed, and so it is now our eighth successful launch. 
And that will guarantee us another 10 years of this continuous record. And so I think we're all resting better knowing that the next generation is, is ready to go. And uh, that unbroken record that's sitting in eastern South Dakota will continue. So what's happened to the other eight satellites? Are they still up there? Are seven of them still producing? Um, that's a, that's a, a fascinating story in its own right. We do have Landsat 7 still in orbit right now. Um, it will be um, uh, decommissioned, uh, stop imaging any day now. Um, it was our satellites are generally designed for a five-year design life, and they do much better than that. Landsat, not Landsat 7, uh, the old satellite in space, was launched in 1999. So it's 22 years old, well past its design life. So we'll be moving it out of the way, and Landsat 9 will take its place, is its orbital position. And so we'll have two satellites continuing to orbit around the Earth. Curiously, uh, Landsat 5 that was launched in 1983, I think, lasted very close to 30 years. Um, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest functioning Earth satellite. So we've had great value, you know, a real testimony to the quality of work by the U.S. aerospace industry. That is amazing. So you've been around for eight of the satellites? Yep. I took my first university course in remote sensing, which is the, the technical approach for analyzing the data in 1972 before the first satellite was launched. And so I, I learned about the theory of this without ever seeing an image. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of exciting to see how far it's come since then. Yeah, just amazing. Well, I just think again, Tom, it's uh, very impressive that you always love the countryside uh, mm -hmm. as a child. And then when you went to South Dakota State, uh, you had the opportunity to learn mm -hmm. about geography, and then you also had the uh, aggressiveness and the insight to go to Eros and walk in yeah. and apply, and then you were there for 40 yeah. plus years, and you, you've seen all those changes and all the imagery coming back from the satellites, and uh, I just think that's just amazing, yeah. the, and uh, what's out there today, and I, all well, three of my daughters toured Eros when they were mm -hmm. in school, and they were so fascinated by it, but it's uh, almost like kids in a candy store being able to play with all that stuff and be able yeah. to look at it and the changes that are going on. So, uh, and congratulations on being inducted into the Hall of Fame too, yeah. Tom. Uh, it's amazing uh, that you were able to chase your dreams and compete with a lot of people across the country and uh, you, did, you outshined them. So congratulations well, thank and you. thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.